The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The luckiest murder suspect ever. And then we travel to Iraq when the second Iraq war starts. Divisions of troops are moving through the desert to secure Haditha Dam. Some people believe they were there to make sure that Saddam's forces did not destroy the dam, causing an ecological disaster. While other people believe they were there to secure the dam so the four horsemen of the apocalypse would not rise from their prison. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are looking forward to Black Friday if you're in America. Buying some of that sweet, sweet stuff. They're selling flat screen television sets for $198. 58 inch flat screen for $198. And I'm like, whoa, at Walmart. I'm like, whoa. That's amazing. And then I realized I have nowhere in my place to put a 58-inch television. My television's 19 inches. has nothing to do with anything we're about to talk about. But this does. This does have something we have to talk about. Ten episodes left until I take the week-long season break. So we got ten episodes left of season seven. Two, we're still looking at doing the Thanksgiving streaming special. But there's two things that I have to figure out before I commit to doing anything more than like a half hour. I need to figure out some technical things. I need to figure out how to make the mic sound better. And I need to figure out how what I'm watching on screen, you guys can hear the sound too. If I can't figure those two things out, I will do a live stream, but it's going to be much, much shorter than I'm planning if I can figure those things out. So if you guys know anything about that stuff, go ahead and email me. I'm using LogiCapture software for the stream. And I have different mics that I can fiddle around with. But if you guys know any way to get the noise canceling going on a live stream, because I think the mic quality just sucks so badly, I don't even want to put it out there. Or the technical side of getting what I watch on the screen for you guys to hear it as well. Hit me up, deadrabbitradio at gmail.com. I'm open to all those suggestions. So, the here we go, though. Let's talk about the episode. Let's stop pitching stuff for Walmart or trying to get free technical help. From Geek Squad at Best Buy. I'm just going to pitch everyone today. Good guys. You guys remember good guys? I used to work for Circuit City back in the day. Oh, dude. You know, this might be considered a real-life conspiracy theory. When I worked at Circuit City in Sacramento, there was... We were right next to a bus stop. And not only were we right next to a bus stop, we were right next to, like, a Nexus bus stop. Like, the one of the main bus stops in Citrus Heights. And every so often, there was... An incident at Circuit City. Now, of course, we had the standard shoplifting and stuff like that. But every so often, a guy would go into the men's restroom. This guy would sneak in like a little Pink Panther thief. And he would poop all over the handicap stall. He'd go in there and he would just smear his feces all over the walls. And then sneak out. He did this successfully for like a year and a half, two years. We could never catch the guy. He was called the Mad... 
I'm gonna call him the Mad Pooper because this is more a more family appropriate podcast, even though the subject matter doesn't always bear it out language wise. Though the Mad Pooper, he would take poops his own, preferably not preferably. I'm assumedly is that a word? Whatever. I'm assuming it was his own poop. I'm assuming he didn't get other homeless people's poop. He didn't gather it all. He's like, put it in the bag, guys. I'm going to Circuit City. Walking around with a big knapsack full of this. But anyways, he would smear it all over. And you would know. Because you would walk in as someone who worked there or as a shopper. And you'd open the door and you would be hit with the overwhelming smell of warm human feces. Ooh, you come out, you're like, he struck again, he struck again, a guy that we employ together, just ring a bell, dong, 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 dong. everyone would start shutting the doors, old women would be taking their kids to the uh, electronics department, they're like, stay here, he might still be in the store, he's back, dong, dong. but anyways, people, I thought it was hilarious, by the way, I thought this whole thing was so funny, other people there got super, super mad about all this stuff, and then one day, a dude was walking into the bathroom. This big, we had this big guy who worked at Circuit City. He's like, it was fate. This day, he was fated to have a bowel movement at this particular time. He's sitting there. He's doing his job selling televisions. Uh, God, God's own finger came down and slightly jostled his intestines. He's like, oh, I, I got to go to the bathroom all of a sudden. And God's like, do my work, son. So he makes his way, perfectly timed all the way through. The Circuit City sales floor. Circuit City's not there, unfortunately. Otherwise, you can go on this adventure yourself. You could relive this adventure. He walks in. Now, as he's turning the corner to go into the men's restroom, the door is opening up, and there's a homeless guy coming out. And he smells the smell of the poop. And the homeless guy is kind of like looking to the ground, like acting like, oh, I, I didn't make that smell. That's not me. But obviously, if you were in there and you saw an employee, the first thing he would say was, oh, dude, someone pooped all over there. And this was the first time that you had a guy walking out of the restroom and the smell of, this was fresh poop. This was like 30-second old, straight-from-human body poop. And against all legal, (laughs) against all legal things that somebody can do and corporate policy, The Circuit City employee grabbed the homeless person, grabbed him by the collar, and goes, It's been you! It's been you! Grabs him by the collar, starts shaking him, drags him through the store, and he does admit to security that he's been the mad pooper for two years. And he was banned from the store. Now, that was the... We didn't even have an idea of what he could possibly have looked like until that moment when God... Tickled my coworkers, bowel movement muscles, whatever those are called. I think they're just called the stomach and the intestines. And so that was the day, that was the end of the Mad Pooper. His homeless reign of terror had ended at Circuit City. However, I assume, probably very correctly assume, that we simply moved the problem somewhere else. So while the town crier was ringing the bell in joy this time and little kids were coming out, we we're handing out lollipops to kids at Circuit City. Fireworks are going off in the store. Somewhere off in the darkness in some Sears handicap stall across town, this homeless person. Homeless person vision, mad pooper vision. Everything's brown. Everything's brown and dripping. Moving through the store on all fours camouflaging in with everything and he's slowly crawling into the men's restroom to find their handicap stall i'm sure that guy is still out there pooping (laughs) pooping on inappropriate stuff but that is the story of the mad pooper that is not a story i plan to tell 
but it's true crime, possibly paranormal, because how could he have gone away with it for so long if he wasn't aided by demons and a conspiracy? Because he pooped? Anyways, let's go ahead and move on with our actual first story here. And luckily, this one's pretty short, so I'm going to be able to not edit out that poop story. But it's also a segment from New News. That It's been a while since we've done New News. A long time. New News, if you're a new listener, is a file of articles that I found that I took back in 2004. I was doing all this research for a podcast I was doing back then, which was kind of the same podcast, but it was more political and current events and weird current events. And now I totally eschew all the political stuff. Now it's just like paranormal. So I have all these crazy articles that are back from that time period. This one involves the luckiest criminal suspect, murder suspect ever. The year's 2003. We're in Los Angeles. The streets are bumping. That's probably a little too hardcore. Let's see, 2003. What would be the rap music back then? So, yeah, I know that song came out in 1994, but it's classic. They're still listening to it in 2003. Oh, it would have been like, up in the club, up in the club, type like Missy Elliott garbage. So, that someone's listening to Missy Elliott driving through L.A., and that's that's not the sad part of the story. It should be. I can't stand Missy Elliott. But anyways, pop, 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 pop. There's a, there's a drive-by. That's the point. Not about what people were listening to. There's a drive-by. Uh, and then sirens. People are crying. And 16-year-old Martha Puebla gets shot in the street and dies. Tragic. Tragic story. Had to tell all those jokes about music in the beginning because I knew it was going to get grim. Now, one of the suspects, really the main suspect at the time, was a guy named Juan Catalan. Juan Catalan. And so he gets dragged down. He, he gets dragged down to the police station. And they go, we know that you were part of this drive-by. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't even in the neighborhood. And the cops are like, ah, we've heard this one before. So this goes on for a while. Yes, you were. No, you weren't. Yes, you were. No, you weren't. And he's saying, not only was I not in the area, but I have proof. I took my daughter to go to a Dodgers game. I'm a huge fan of baseball. I took her to go see the Dodgers game. And they're like, that's a lie. And your six-year-old daughter is not a good alibi witness. He's like, well, look at here. I have tickets. I have tickets for me and my daughter. We went to this game. And the cops look at the tickets and they go, listen, we believe you're involved in organized crime. So the fact that you were able to get fake tickets or somehow get tickets, that's not a shock. You were part of this murder. And Juan fights this, fights this, fights this. Gets arrested. They say, no, you're guilty. We got to do the trial thing. This is America. But we're going to arrest you. We're going to throw you in jail. He goes, I'll take a polygraph. I will take a polygraph. They go, no. We know it's you, dude. We know it's you. And so while they're preparing for trial, his lawyer finds out that Curb Your Enthusiasm, that show with Larry David, was being filmed at Dodger Stadium that day. And so the lawyer starts watching the episode, and he's like, oh, He's not here. That would have been easy. If I just watched the episode and saw my client sitting in the sands. He then goes to Larry David. The lawyer goes to Larry David and says, listen, my client's a huge fan of your show. I don't necessarily believe that part of the story. The client says um, Juan Catalan apparently is a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm before all of this happened. I don't believe that for a second because nobody's a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I, I That show, I can't. Stand. I don't like dissing stuff a lot. I know I went off on my jazz rant the other day, but I don't like dissing stuff a lot, but I can't stand that show. However, because it's not funny. However, 
Cheryl Hines, his wife, is smoking hot. So I will give it a pass. I do know, I, I understand why people watch that show. It's because she's hot. But everything else about that show stinks. So, I don't believe anyone's a fan of that show. So, here come all the emails. <laughs> here come all the emails now. But, apparently he's a fan of the show. And the lawyer the lawyer goes to Larry David and goes, Hey, yeah, you know your show, that amazing show you put on? Larry's like, yeah. He's like, my client is a huge fan of your show, Larry. But my client's on trial for murder... And he was at the Dodger Stadium the day you were filming that episode. You don't happen to have any, like, B-roll extra footage from when you were filming that. And Larry David goes, let's find out. So Larry David, his editor, and the lawyer all go down to the editing bay for Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I'm sure they got into some wacky hijinks along the way, and they play that stupid musical cue, and he's, like, looking at the camera. The lawyer's like, dude, come on, you're wasting time. There's not even a camera. Why are you looking there? Larry David's like, huh? Dun, 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 dun. There's just, ugh. Anyway, that's a show. If you watch that show and you're a fan of that show, okay, I probably shouldn't knock you if you're a fan of that show and you're listening to this one. That show is tailor-made for people too lazy to change the channel. Like every, and I've watched a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm because I'm too lazy to change the channel. So many times I'd be watching like some show like at 11 p.m. on Fox 40 when I was in Sacramento and I'd be like, uh, and then I'd hear that musical cue come on and I'd just lay on the couch and it dun 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 and I'd just be like, well, at least I'm going to look at an attractive woman every five minutes. I can bear this, but I never laughed ever at an episode. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the story. Larry David is sitting in the editing bay. They're looking through all of this footage because they shot a bunch of coverage. They just shot scenes of crowds that they could edit in if they needed it for the episode and lo and behold in one of these shots they see juan catalan and his six-year-old daughter just chilling and the lawyer goes okay because they knew exactly when this episode was filmed there was no debate over when the episode was filmed what time what day the police never dispute that the police disputed that he was not at that game and now they out of um, they have footage so not only is he lucky because they happen to be filming an episode of a television show that day they happen to catch him and his daughter because it's not like the point was hey get a get a picture of every single person in the crowd larry it'll be hilarious for the blooper reel like they're just doing panning shots to get crowd reactions and out of those crowd reactions one of them he didn't get up to get a hot dog at that time he was sitting there next to his daughter he ends up, Juan, ends, the charges get dropped. He ends up suing the city for $320,000 and winning, I believe. I think he actually won that lawsuit for being wrongfully accused. In 2008, though, the man who actually ordered the hit was arrested. So this happened in 2003. It took five years for them to actually find the guy who ordered the hit. But they went for the quick one. They go, hey, Juan, that's you. And he's like, no, it wasn't. And then the cops ended up like making a big mistake, so and the cops just stood there staring at the camera for ten minutes. Burglars are running by. So yeah, luckiest murder suspect ever. However, however, the he is a little unlucky now because he did he he had to meet Larry David. Larry David really wanted to meet this guy. 
So pick your poison. Life in prison or having a photo of you with Larry. I'm sure Larry David is a lovely person. I just don't like his show. Let's go ahead and move on with our last story. Now, our last story got chopped out of the Friday episode. And our last story is actually a conclusion to our story about the Giant of Kandahar. Because when I was reaching the Giant of Kandahar was the supposed biblical giant who lived in Afghanistan, who's been alive since the days of Noah, but was dumb enough to get shot in the face multiple times. Like that, when I was editing that, I think I kind of buried the lead. That's the reason why that story's stupid is the fact that this guy is supposed to be descended from angels. He's supposed to be over 6,000 years old, survived this whole time, and runs out of a cave with a stick against 20 U.S. operatives and gets shot in the face and dies. When, if he's in Afghanistan, he, like I said, he would have been throwing his spear at Russian Heelys. He would have... <laughs> Heelys, they're, they're coming around on their little uh, skate shoes. Helicopters. What are they called? What, are, what do you... What's short for a helicopter? Copter, I guess. I have one. I don't know why I blanked on that. Heelys. They're coming across the landscape. He's been fighting Russians. He's been fighting Taliban. He's been fighting Pashtuns. He's been fighting Tuscan sand people. He's been fighting people for 6,000 years, yet he doesn't know what a gun is. He doesn't know anything about numerical superiority. It was just a stupid story. But anyways, it was an interesting story, but it doesn't make sense. This guy would have either killed all of them or went into hiding. That's the thing. Bigfoot doesn't run out to a group of hunters and get his brains blowing out. And then they go, oh, yeah, and then we buried the body. There are stories like that, but they're made up. Like the Bigfoot Human War of 1855, I think it was, and the Patterson-Gimlin Massacre. I've covered both of those. Both of those stories are stupid because, they're again, they're interesting stories, but they don't make sense anthropologically, anthropomorphologically, whatever. They don't make sense from a... They don't make sense from a evolutionary state if creatures evolved enough to be hidden from humanity for thousands or tens of thousands of years has been hidden from humanity. It's not going to walk into a 7-Eleven. It's not going to walk into the middle of a room and get its brains blown out. So anyways, that's my that's my final say on the giant of Kandahar. Interesting story, but stupid key detail. If I was making it up, they would have hunted him in the cave. He would have fought him one by one. And then they would have killed him in the end. Or caused a collapse. And then that way you don't know if the gorilla man or the giant is still out there. In the in the sequel, he would have been a gorilla man. The gorilla man of Kandahar. Anyways, so when I was researching that, along the same lines, a lot of the same websites were like, yes, the giant of Kandahar is real. And you got to remember Haditha Dam, Haditha Dam. And I'm like, what is Haditha Dam? I don't know what it is. I'm going to assume it's a dam in the Middle East. And I was right. So let's go ahead and hop on our carpenter Healy. We're hopping. No, today we're just going to wear Healy's. We're going to put on shoes with little wheels on the bottom of it. If you don't know what Healy is. And we're going to go all the way across. We're going to get a barge to go from America. We're just going to do circles on the barge. You have to make the noise the whole time. And we're sailing all the way to Iraq. The year is 2003. So it's perfect. We just left Larry David's editing bay. We're going across the river, not the river, we're going across the ocean, much bigger, has more salt. We end up in Iraq, the year's 2003. Now, in Iraq, we have Haditha, which is a city in the Al-Anbar province in Iraq. And in the, like, in the Euphrates, there is a dam at Haditha called Haditha Dam. So we're in the Euphrates River with this giant dam. 
It's one of the largest in the world. And right now, Iraq War 2 is started. Yeah. We really should have brought the Carpenter Copter. But now we're just kind of skating across a desert landscape. Rockets. Flying across the landscape. We're out skating them. So we're fine. And U.S. troops are moving towards Haditha Dam. Come on, boys, let's go. Let's get this object. Iraqi's like, no way. This is ours. Bullets going back and forth. Hope you enjoy this soundscape production. Dead Rabbit Radio. Bombs. People. No! Apparently, he got blown off the dam. Splash. He'll be back in the sequel. So, because we didn't actually see him die. The military, the U.S. military, I have to be specific because there's two militaries right now. The U.S. military secures the dam on April 1st, 2003. The war started March 20th, 2003. So one of their first objectives, they're like, you, go into Baghdad. I actually think they probably took this before they got into Baghdad. But, I mean, we're 11 days into the war and they're like, we've got to secure this dam. Because they were afraid Saddam was going to detonate, like, bombs. Apparently he had <laughs> some Bugs Bunny contraption. Each layer had TNT that actually said TNT on it. And Uday was sitting there with a plunger getting ready to blow the dam up. And then the Joes, the, the G.I. Joe showed up and they're like, No! They're coming! The U.S. military! And they fought. It had this big laser gun battle. They were afraid that the dam was going to be destroyed. It would have caused an ecological catastrophe with the water going everywhere. And it secured one-third of the country's electricity, this dam. Now, we take over the dam. Should be the end of it, right? That's done. But we started to see, later, some stuff pop up, some rumors about this dam. And for this, we're going to the year 2015. So now, 12 years into the future, on Reddit... So take this with a grain of salt. On the No Sleep Forum, so take it with an even greater grain of salt, listed by a man with the Reddit account Throwaway1006205. So this isn't even someone's main account on a board dedicated, for the most part, to fiction on a website dedicated to write something to get the most upvotes i.e. pander to people. So this really is buried under layer upon layer of stuff. So that's where we're at right now. This guy writes this post about military, some ghost. This guy, throwaway, says, I was in the military and there was like this body laying up during the Iraq war. There was this body laying up against this gun. And then I walked down the hallway and came back and the body was not laying against the gun. It was like sitting in the corner of the room. Dun, dun, dun. I don't, I don't care. I mean, yeah, sure, that might be paranormal. Could be all sorts of stuff. First off, the guy might not have been dead, but he could just be, like, faking. He could still be there, and he's like, are they gone yet? Are they gone yet? And then some guy with the username Monster Truck Nar leaves this story in, in, in comment to Throwaway's account. The spookiest story came in 2004 in the Haditha Dam. Our convoys would stop at the base of the dam, and then we had a hike up. 13 flights, dun dun dun, 13 flights of stairs to reach our birthing areas, which I'm sure is a military term and not a place where our men and women pushed babies out of their bodies. They're like, new generation of soldiers is born. Birthing areas. I had to carry an MK-19 Mod 3, I'm assuming that's some sort of rifle, 
up these stairs. I know there's military people pulling their hair out right now. This is what happens when a civilian reads what you guys write. Up these stairs each day after we drop supplies at our ASP bases. These guys are G.I. Joes. There's no such thing in real life. Nothing is named ASP in the military unless your Cobra commander is your real commander. It was completely pitch black and you could hear a woman crying very loudly. I mean, that's terrifying. I wouldn't want to hear that. I wouldn't want to hear that on a bright sunny day. I can't remember how many times I ran up these stairs with night vision goggles on. Terrified that the woman ghost is going to eat me. Hmm. Wouldn't have a problem with that. I brought many... I added that last part. He didn't. I brought many people with me to confirm, and everyone knew the ghost of the Haditha Dam before I took them there. That sound still terrifies me to this day. And then, throwaway, the guy who started this whole thing jumps back in. I have a... This is what his comment was. I have a couple buddies that were in Ramadi 2004-2005 with the National Guard, and I swear to effing God, they told me the same story about the dam. No one liked going out there. I think it was like a once-every-three-weeks rotation with Marines and other Army units. So... People are saying that the dam was haunted. There was something wrong with the dam. Apparently there was a prison built into the dam, and I don't think that was Saddam's thing. I think that was our thing. I think the U.S. military all of a sudden had a bunch of troops, and they're like, where should we put them? And they're like, well, we do own an asset that's full of concrete and steel, so we can put them in there. So apparently there was a prison operating there at some point. But from these ghost stories... And it's really weird because a lot of people talk about the ghosts of Haditha Dam, and I couldn't find anything really other than this Reddit post on No Sleep, which again makes me really, really suspicious that any of this is true at all. But these other websites that are talking about the giant of Kandahar are referencing the haunted dam, the haunting of Haditha Dam, and the prison, the prisoners would be in there, and you'd hear ghostly noises, and the prisoners are losing their minds, the prison guards are losing their minds. Apparently, you have this woman trying to eat dudes, which, again, that is a fate I'm willing to suffer. I think the other day I talked about some hot ghost girl coming to my apartment. didn't happen either. Like I said, I was talking about a Xana, I think it was. And I said, if she comes over, I'll let you know. No. Didn't meet some incredibly beautiful women this weekend, though. Went to an 80s, 90s dance party. But anyways, no ghost girl came over. No, no real girl came over this weekend either. Just spoiler alert on that one. But all these stories were coming out about... This ghost girl floating around and these ghosts tormenting these prisoners. So the idea of Haditha Dam being haunted was already kind of floating around. But what does that have to do with the giant of Kandahar? What does that have to do with the Euphrates? Well, the people who believe in the giant of Kandahar believe that Haditha Dam is actually cursed. And the souls, the, 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 the people, the prisoners going, no, no, get the ghosts away from me. And the guards being afraid to walk through there. Without their night vision goggles on. Great use of tax dollars, by the way, guys. I have to pay for those batteries. I'm sorry you're afraid a ghost might get you. You you guys do know that it's not your equipment. That is the taxpayer's equipment. But other than that, we thank you for your service. We have the story that this dam is built on top of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. If you don't know who the four horsemen of the apocalypse are, they pretty much are exactly what they sound like. They're in the biblical tradition, at the end of the world, these four horse dudes. They're not horse dudes. They're people who ride horses are going to pop up. There's, what is it, death, pestilence, war, and famine. And they're going to, basically, some people think they're a literal thing, like the people who believe that they're buried underneath the dam. Other people believe they are 
symbols for these huge catastrophes that are coming. Some people believe they don't exist at all. It's Christian mythology. But anyways, the idea is, is that these four horsemen... And the Bible makes it sound like they're legit people. Not legit people. Like, you should loan them money and they'll pay you back. Like, they're actual figures. But the book of Revelation is really where they're mentioned. And it's full of metaphors, so you don't really know. But anyways... So these guys, when they come out of the ocean, or the river, now we're in the river, less salt, when they come out of the river, they're going to start wrecking havoc. This is from Revelation chapter 9, 13 through 16. And the sixth angel sounds, so the angels come down and they start going with their big old horns, and that's what's causing the end of the world. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. So that's where we start to get this idea that they're trapped somewhere in the Euphrates. So you go, okay, my question when I saw that is I go, so has the dam been there for 10,000 years? Like, the dam's relatively new. What were the four horsemen doing before they built the dam? If that is a prison, what were they doing before that? There's no answer to that. Because I don't think, it, it, it doesn't make sense, obviously. Like, if the four horsemen are under the Euphrates, let's assume that this part of the story is a literal translation of something. Why would you? Why would they let you build a dam on top of them? For one, they have the power to slay one third of humanity. They're not going to be like, "Hey, death, death." Did did you not look out the window for the past eighty years? And they're like, "What?" They're like, "They built a dam on top of us." Death is like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Obviously, if they were down there, they wouldn't let a dam be built on top of them—a hydroelectric dam at that. So that doesn't make sense. Secondly. If angels are blowing their trumpets, I don't necessarily think a dam is going to stop them from breaking out of the earth. But the idea is, is that this dam is somehow keeping them prisoner. And the U.S. forces needed to get there quickly to secure the dam so a bunch of monsters and demons and 200,000 troops wouldn't come pouring out. As badass and metal album cover that idea is, it just doesn't make sense because the dam is a recent construction. However. Let's put a flip on this. Let's take off our debunking hats and put on our I Heart Haditha Damn Curse Stories hats because the Bible also talks about the sixth angel, same dude showing up, and he pours out his vial onto the great river Euphrates and it dries up. Now, Euphrates is the river. Well, the Euphrates and the Tigris are the rivers that provides life for the whole region. The term Mesopotamia is in reference to the water that those rivers give. Like, it means, like, Great Basin or something like that. Like, the without these rivers, there would be no Middle East. So these rivers drying up would be a massive catastrophe. Since 2008, the rivers have been drying up. It's destroying Iraqi farmland. And people, farmers are like, I gotta move. Like, there, there's just not enough water for us. And that's weird. You could go climate change. You know, that's icebergs melting or not melting or however it works. I don't know. I don't look into climate change at all. One one way or the other. Icebergs are not melting or melting or 
something. It's not raining enough, which is probably more logical. But that's just not it. The area is being invaded with an influx of snakes. Snakes are everywhere around the dried Euphrates River now. So that is reminding a lot of people of the Bible. Lucifer the Satan is is like a snake. He's a snake-like figure at the beginning, and at the end, he's referenced as the great snake of old. Refer, it's kind of like a callback to his days of Genesis. Kind of a, it's kind of a nostalgia cue for fans of the OT. So you got that weird thing going on. But let's wrap it up with this. Let's say that the four horsemen are actually trapped under Haditha Dam. And that's why the U.S. military was so bent on taking over Iraq. Had nothing to do with 9-11. But they knew that there was something. They recently discovered that there was something dark and old underneath a dam in Iraq. And that's why they invaded the country. And you go, Jason, that's preposterous. Well, hold on. You didn't let me finish. Unless you stopped the podcast, and then technically you did. U.S. troops invade Iraq on March 20th. Ten days later, they take over Haditha Dam. They secure it. They protect it. They are there to stay. One month later, May 1st, after the dam has been completely secured, checked from top to bottom, American flag put on top of it, it is 100% an American asset. George W. Bush lands on an aircraft carrier, and as he delivers a speech about the victories in Iraq, there's a huge banner behind him that says, Mission Accomplished. Now, while that banner was flying, there were still U.S. servicemen engaging in firefights across the country of Iraq, dying and getting wounded during this war. And the president got a lot of criticism for having that banner behind him while all that was going on. And he's come back later and said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have that banner up. That banner was unrelated. Da-da-da-da-da. But what if that banner wasn't a signal of the end of all hostilities in Iraq? What if the banner wasn't signifying the end of that battleship's run? It had just gotten done with its tour of duty. They threw up mission accomplished. It was just a weird accident that the president happened to be giving a speech that day. What if that banner was a message to all of those in the know? The mission had been accomplished. They had taken control of the dam that sat on top of the apocalypse. They had averted the end of the world for now. And George W. Bush was also letting the powers that be know that because they now controlled how the world would end, they could also trigger it at any time. Mission accomplished. We hold the doomsday button for the planet. And no one will ever know the truth until it's too late. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Thank you.